Welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. My name is Matt Saxinger and I serve as head pastor here. We want to help you think about stuff you need to think about and talk about stuff you need to talk about. If this is your first time checking us out here for our podcast, we are so glad that you're here joining us. Uh, I'd love to have you listen to some of the other episodes. Last week just had an awesome time talking with Glenda about uh, you know some of the anxiety she faces and, and really how that journey was, uh, you know, how God was with her in that journey. So today... Uh, we've got uh, I, somebody I think is a special guest. I don't know, maybe you don't think you're a special guest, but we've got uh, Eric sitting over here. Um, Eric Hone, who is a part-time staff here. And uh, so, Eric, why don't you say hi, and why don't you tell us what you do with the other part of your time when you're not here? Well, hi, everybody. It's my privilege to be here. Um, with the other part of my time, you know, apart from spending time with my family and all that stuff, um, I work full-time as a counselor for the Salvation Army's Adult Rehabilitation Center in Harrisburg, which is a residential, long-term drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. Okay, awesome. And how long have you been there? 20 years. 20 years. How did, how in the world did you end up into that? Because that's not necessarily somebody thinks they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be the Salvation Army counselor. Yeah, it, it was really an absolute calling by God. Uh, and that's a whole other story, which I could go into if you want to. But um, it was an absolute calling by God, and, and he opened a door for me to get my foot in the door in the field with the Salvation Army. I went to grad school and uh, got trained as a counselor, got licensed, and I'm still there 20 years later. Sure, yeah. What is it that makes the Salvation Army uh, experience there, your counseling role, what, what's it make, what makes it unique compared to counseling somebody else might get somewhere else? Well, it's, it's a Christian program. The Salvation Army is a church, and so everything we do is is in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the counseling we do, the program that we run, it's all Christ-based. And so I, I, in counseling, it's not just trying to help somebody overcome a problem in their life, such as an addiction. It's also pointing them to Jesus and helping yeah. them to develop a relationship with God. Right, so not just removing the presenting problem of whatever the addiction is, but dealing with really a spiritual problem that we all we all have at the end of the day where all we need we all need to find Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. So um if you don't mind, love to just kind of pick your brain with a couple of questions and we'll just see where the conversation goes. Yeah, let's go. Um yeah. So um all right, you you work in this professional counseling situation where um no doubt there are people coming in with all sorts of backgrounds and baggage, uh, and even just we'll say, I don't know if conditions is the appropriate word for that. Um, but I want to get your take on um, what should the Christian response to mental illness and medication towards it? Because as a pastor, I've heard all kinds of things like it's taboo. You're messed up if you got to take medication. Um, there's a spiritual problem that should be dealt with. And, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So unfortunately, there is a stigma about mental health. And that stigma has been around for a long time. I think our society today is is getting better with it. Um, but I think what people forget, you know, <clears throat> our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our, all of that is integ integrally, oh, that's a tough word to say, <laughs> <laughs> intricately tied into who we are, who we see ourselves to be. Sure. Um, and so we identify our being and ourselves with those things. But what we tend to forget is that the brain is an organ in our body, just hmm. like any other organ. Okay. And so, you know, if you had somebody with a heart disease, you sure. would absolutely pray for them. You would pray with them. You would support them. You mm. would love them. You would point them to Jesus as a source of support and strength in their lives and ultimate salvation. 
but you would also send them to the cardiologist. Right, right. Right? And, yeah. and it's no different with mental health. And, you know, there are certain conditions that are really about a brain problem. And certainly it's a spiritual issue as well, especially when we're talking about something like anxiety or about addictions or depression, you know, finding our strength and our support and our salvation and our hope in Jesus Christ is absolutely foundational to it. Sure. But for a lot of people, there's a chemistry problem going on in the brain that needs some medical intervention. Yeah. So here's a question uh, along those lines. Why do you think it's so tough for people to embrace that? Um, if it's somebody in their family that's going to need that medical help or if it's, you know, that person themselves. Because, like, I, I'm thinking of a, a situation where there's somebody who really looked down on medicinal usage for depression. Mm -hmm. And in reality, in my head, I'm going, like, man, they look down on that, but, man, they need it. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, what what do you say to convince those people? Well, it is it is tough because, again, there is such a stigma about it. And because, like I said, who we are we identify very intimately with what our brain does. Mm. And so when we think about our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions, we think we should be able to control that. If we have a heart condition, we say, well, obviously I need to go to a doctor. Yeah. If I have a brain condition, I think, well, I should just be able to think better. I should just be yeah. able to feel better. Right. Um, and so it is difficult for people to, to make that shift sometimes and realize that, you know, I, I, may, I may need some help with this. Yeah, and I love I love the reality of what you're talking about, which is why I appreciate what you guys do at the Salvation Army so much, because you're not neglecting a spiritual dimension to all this. Absolutely. You're not saying, hey, all you need is to go take, you know, X, Y, Z, and you'll be fine. At the end of the day, there still needs to be an obedience to Jesus Christ and a connection to Him. Yeah. That's, that's going to be key. But... You know, we want to be that church, too, that says if you have a headache, man, take a Tylenol. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's so many people who, and this is such a difficulty for people in the church who suffer from mental illness is because, yeah. you know, they'll tell you, I love Jesus. I believe in God, but right. I am depressed and I can't get out of it or I can't stop worrying. And so they see that as a failure in their faith. Sure. When actually... It may just be a biochemical thing that's creating that stumbling block for them. So um, here's a question, kind of on that thought. Then, what do what do you say? How does a person recognize that they might have a brain problem? Yeah. So um, really, here's the other problem with mental health conditions, especially like depression or anxiety. Everybody gets depressed. We right. all have the blues. Sure. Sure. Everybody worries. So yeah. where is the line between, is this just normal worry that I have to, you know, deal with, with my faith and everything? Yeah. Or is this cross that line into, I need some help? And, and generally the criteria is, is it causing significant impairment to your functioning in your life? Mm. You know, it's, it's different if I worry about my bills, but I'm, I'm able to go to work. I'm able to interact with my family. I'm able to do my daily living. I'm able to function normally in my life, but I lay in bed at night and worry about my bills. Right. It's another thing when I'm afraid to leave the house, when I'm, I have anxiety in my body that I could just can't stop feeling. And it's really sure. debilitating me from what I'm able to do during the day. Hmm. And I think when we start crossing that line, it's really time to get some professional help. Okay. That's, that's good. And I think you know, what we're trying to do is say it's okay to need help. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I, I say this not just about this particular issue, but about anything. You know, it, it's almost taboo to be, uh, to be an American and to be in need. Like, that's the great failure of an American person, especially an American Christian, that you would need to ask for help it means you've messed up somehow. Well, no, it just means you're human. Yeah. Um, the, the greater failure is to act like you've never been in need your entire life and, and you're just really you know, prideful about it. And, and really, that's part of our sin problem anyway, is that we try and do things on our own. We try and be very sure. independent and we try to be our own God and, and to determine what's right and wrong rather than reaching out to the body yeah. and saying, hey, I, I, I struggle and I need some help. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any harm in just, you know, at a regular doctor checkup saying, hey, I, I, you know, things haven't been going as smoothly as I think they should be, or I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, doing the things that I would normally do. Is it, can, can you check me to see if this is something that I struggle with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I strongly encourage as well, in, in when we're dealing with mental health questions, is to be seeing a licensed or professional counselor or therapist as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of family doctors do their very best. But if I have a heart condition, it's not a specialty, right? I go to the family doctor, they're going to send me to a cardiologist. And so you really should be seeing somebody who's more highly trained in the specific thing to be able to really help you determine what's going on here and and what level of help is needed. Right. And and if you're, if you're listening on in on this, um, I'm learning right with you guys about this. So that, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. You know, I would just assume, okay, you can you could go to a regular doctor and figure that out. But like you're saying, if you got a heart problem, you should go to a heart doctor. And, yeah, and so yeah. so. And nothing against regular doctors; they do great work. Right. Yeah, and they, they just gotta they gotta know the whole world and not yeah. not one thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, let's kind of transition into um, where we've been at in this this sermon series. It's been a little bit of a longer sermon series, so appreciate you guys, you know, continuing to hold with us throughout that, but. Um, the sermon series is Confident People in an Anxious World, and the reason we've chosen to go a little bit longer in this this series is just um, there's such a need, you know, we're such an anxiety-driven culture, um, and so I want to get your take from your experience and your training. Um, why don't you tell me, just kind of lay out the difference between normal worry, anxiety, and then anxiety disorders. Like, what's that look like? Well, very simply, the difference between worry and anxiety is worry is the thoughts in our head. Anxiety is our body's physical response to that. Okay. So uh, worry is what you're doing in your head when you're thinking. Anxiety is what you're experiencing, the heart palpitations, the sweatiness, the nervousness in your stomach, the, uh, you know, all those different physical sensations is the anxiety. What separates normal worry from an anxiety disorder is kind of a gray area because, you know, we don't live in a world of you're either A or B. Okay. We live in a world of people along a spectrum, and so people have different levels of dysfunction in their lives and sure. how much things impact them. Um, but generally, uh, in diagnostic criteria, the biggest thing is, is it having a significant impairment on your normal functioning in your life? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and at that point, that's when you really got to reach out. You got to help. You get help. And, Absolutely. And figure out some answers and figure out a path and a plan there. Yeah. Um, why do you think, um, and this is just my take on it, but it seems to me like there's been an increase in anxiety disorders since when I was when I was younger. They didn't talk about it as much. Is that just an awareness, like of the problem, or in your opinion, um, is that something that no, there's something causing an increase in that? Yes. <laughs> oh, perfect. We'll move on. Move on. Right. No, I mean, that's, wow, that's a big question. And, and 
I mean, if I were to try and really give that question the best thought I could, we'd you, you, you poor folks would be listening to us forever. Sure. Um, I, I just give us a clip. Very <laughs> quickly. Um, yes, I think it's an awareness thing more. Okay. Yes, I also think our culture has changed. Um, about 18% of our population gets diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Wow. Which is just a staggering amount. When you think about it, that's almost one in five people. Right, right. And only about 36% of those people actually seek treatment. So wow. there's a whole percentage of them yeah. that aren't getting any help. Right. Why is why is our society more anxious? And, and you see it more even in children in schools. I can't um, I can't tell you how many parents I've interacted with who say, "Oh yeah, my son has or my daughter has mm-hmm. anxiety," or we're getting help from them. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with our fractured society. Okay. Uh, the breakdown of the family. Yeah. Um, so many more children are being raised by grandparents being raised in single family homes or single parent homes, I should say, um, or, uh, you know, broken marriages because of divorce or, or death or loss or, you know, all sorts of different things that have happened in our fractured society. Sure. Uh, and we don't have those cohesive family units that provide structure and stability and, and consistency to a family anymore. Uh, partly because of that breakdown in the family, partly because families just move to where jobs are and separate. And so communities yeah. are, are not as as uh, supportive and strong as they maybe used to be. Sure, sure. I, I definitely see that as, a, that as a contributing factor to it. Um, let, let me ask this, and I think we're actually going to try and do a whole podcast on this in, in the future. Um, you mentioned that breakdown of the family. What would you say to the listener who's um, a single mom or single dad and, and and they recognize that they're up against a greater challenge. What can they do to overcome some of this? And what would your advice be to them? Yeah. I mean, that's so difficult because it's easy to talk about the breakdown of the family. But then when you are Yeah, we want to love those living families. It, it, yeah. yeah. When yeah. you're living it and you realize that, that, that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, what do I do? And absolutely, um, we don't want to uh, make anybody feel bad about their living and situation. Sure. yeah. What we want to do is offer hope. And, and I would say be part of a community. Yeah. Find yourself part of a community, whether it be, ideally, we would like to see churches provide that we would, we would love, if you're listening to yeah. your situation, we'd love to have you here. Absolutely. We want to see you. We want to welcome you into our doors and into our family here at Susquehanna Valley. But be, be part of a community where you can find that support, that encouragement, that love uh, to, to help you so you're not alone. Sure. Absolutely. And I think... That's going to be a lot of this for you to get um, some of the encouragement and support that you need through that community around you um, that might not be right next to you every day. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's kind of take it in this direction for a second here. Um, You work specifically at the Salvation Army with uh, a lot of people who deal with, you know, rehabilitation. And that's a lot of your goal. So um, from your perspective, Let's kind of let's kind of talk about you know addiction and anxiety that mm. that bridge. You just did an awesome job preaching a sermon about that, um, and loved what you had to share about that. So, from your perspective, why why do addictive substances or behaviors appeal to people as a solution to anxiety? Or, or maybe that's not even the right way to phrase it. No, I think you're absolutely right, and the answer is because they work. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I mean, expect that. So. No, you, if you're anxious, man, alcohol will make you feel better. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's simple as that. And and it works. But the problem is it so powerfully works that it that can become a monster in and of itself in your life. Sure. Sure. Yeah. If and what if you you know have a chance to listen to the sermon, what I talked about was without hope, when when we don't run to a source of hope that can really give us hope, such as God. Yeah. What are we left with? But our anxiety and, and it gets debilitating after a while. And so we want to feel better. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so in a nutshell, like what are some of the things that you that you try and get people to see and realize when they come in and they're, they're looking to meet with you? Um, what are you trying to help them to see about their addiction and about anxiety? You know, what's kind of the, the track that you're looking for? Yeah, well, it, it, first and foremost is, is recognizing that this crutch in their lives is, is causing more pain in their lives than it's helping. Yeah, so it works, but it doesn't work. Yeah, it brings its baggage with it. Yeah. Right. And and so, and not only does it bring its baggage, but it also isolates them from others and from God. Uh, and so really what we're trying to do is help them learn how to resist those temptations but yeah. also to develop healthier coping skills in their life yeah. to deal with their problems in a healthier way that is going to uh, not only enhance their life, but also enhance their relationships with others and ultimately with God. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned uh, you know the coping skills because as a parent, that's actually become a hot button for me because I recognize how easy it is as a parent to avoid letting your child cope with loss mm-hmm. or cope with frustration. But those are skills that they need desperately. I mean, they will learn, our children learn what we model for them. And so if we model avoidance, they'll learn avoidance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, or if we model replacement, they're going to, they're going to get a replacement. And so like, man, parents, if you're listening, if you got, you got young kids, when a toy breaks, don't go get them a new one. Like let them deal with that. And that sounds mean, but man, that you don't want (laughs) to... You don't want to create a habit there where they've got to medicate their pain with a with a replacement. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're just kind of jumping around here in a bunch of different places, but I think it's all central to the same idea of anxiety. Um, um, so as as we you know consider that addictive behavior, what like is there ever a place where somebody gets to and and they're just done with it? Or does it does it usually hang on to some degree that I believe God heals us in one of three ways. Okay. He heals us by completely miraculously removing the problem. Yeah. Which is like we all want. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. He does that for some people. I think that's rare. Okay. The other way it's he good, heals it's good us, to hear you say that because I think that's what we all want. Yeah. We all want. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear what the other two are. Go and, and you see those people. You see those people and, and who say, you know, I put down, I went to the altar and gave my life to mm. Jesus and laid the bottle down there and I haven't touched Never it touched since. Never touched it. No desire. Done. And, and hallelujah for them. But how yeah. frustrating that is for the other people who are struggling. Right. Who are years into the battle who are going, right. you know, I yeah. hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so one way is the miraculous deliverance. Sure. The second way is by providing the the resources and the grace that we need to be able to follow him, even though we still struggle with the temptations. Mm. And I think the perfect example of that is Paul, who said, you know, I prayed three times to have this thorn in my flesh removed, but God's answer to me was, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what most people end up having to do is, is, 
you know, that they can find deliverance in their relationship with God. They can find support in a healthy community, but they need that support because there's maybe an yeah. ongoing struggle in their lives or maybe temptations throughout their life that that's, that's community of support is going to help them with. Sure, sure. And then the third way is ultimately that God brings us home to heaven with him. And that's the ultimate wow. deliverance. Yeah. That's yeah. the ultimate Which healing. The Nobody wants <laughs> Right. But ultimately, that's where we're all headed. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the thing that I appreciate appreciate about the second one, and, you know, as much as we want God to, you know, miraculously, the first one, as much as that's, we want that, the second one, um, the thing I appreciate about it is just it produces really a dependence on God. Absolutely. That is quite, you know, quite amazing and becomes a strength of that person in the long run. So if that's you... And you're in that second situation. You haven't just miraculously been healed of a, a sex addiction or a substance or, or whatever it is. Um, just know that through this journey, God's strengthening you in a way that that other guy probably didn't experience. Yeah. You know, I've had I've had people in, in recovery say to me, they're actually grateful for their addiction because interesting. You know, it, someone who doesn't struggle with an addiction but just goes through their life blindly, aimlessly, not even given a thought yeah. about God, yeah. isn't really necessarily put in their face that they need God. Right. Someone who's struggling with an addiction, it's pretty much life or death, and it's put in their face. You need to either surrender to God or you're going to die in this. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of people say, I'm so grateful for my addiction because it brought me to a place of recognizing sure, that I need to sure. surrender my life and I, I get to have this relationship with God. Yeah. Who carries me through my life. Yeah. And it's one of those statements where they, they regret it, but they don't regret it because at the end of the day. Right. Something wonderful came out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, no. And usually they're in a position then to help other people who are struggling. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit at the end. We're going to reference a passage in Corinthians um, where, yeah, God God makes use of our struggle and our pain as we minister to others in their struggle and their pain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk a couple passages of scripture that um, you had mentioned when I when I had thought um, that's that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Let's talk through these and kind of say, hey, what do these have to say about addiction, about anxiety, um, about this process of, of becoming a confident person? And the whole reason we say confident person, because the anxious person is is constantly worried about, or maybe not constantly, but worried about what's going to happen in life. And a confident person says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if God knows, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I can walk through this. So a couple, a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 3, 5. I'm going to read it. You give me your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Ready? All right. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Man, when I read that verse and I think about anxiety, I just that right there in a nutshell is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... When I'm trusting in my own ways, when I'm trusting in me, everything is on my shoulders and my shoulders aren't that big. Right. So, you know, welcome to anxiety world. Sure, sure. But when I put everything on God's shoulders, whose shoulders are enormous, yeah, and I trust him, mm-hmm. what do I have to worry about? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, I love it. Um, because when when I'm feeling that anxiety... I'm looking at a world and thinking, how am I going to solve this? Yeah. You know, how am I going to get things back to the way I want? Where, you know, Glenda shared last week about losing that kind of ideal future where that's just gone. That's not a possibility right now. And 
and you recognize your limitations. Mm -hmm. But if you recognize one without limitations, then then you're in a totally different position. I, I find, um, and I'm so glad that you went to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I find that people often want like tools to fix things, like give me the four steps to, <laughs> like if we wrote a book right now, the four steps to get rid of anxiety forever, that it would sell. Yeah. Um, aside from the fact that it'd have our names on it, it would sell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but tools uh, tools are great when they work, but tools can never replace trust. Yeah. And and so like you know if I if I were to give if I were to write a book called the four tools to fixing you know, uh, anxiety, all four tools will be trust at the end of the day, yeah. because you, you can't bypass that. You can't replace that. If you're not willing to say, God, I don't know what my future is. You do. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this or if I'm going to get out of this. God, you do. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you can't come down to that and be okay with that, then you're going to live that kind of roller coaster life of what what's going to come. And you know, Psalm 46, like you referenced, I think you referenced that in your sermon, where the, the earthquakes are going to come and, and they're going to throw you off your throne in life. Um, but if you recognize that Psalm 46 says that God is still God, that earthquake has not has not dethroned God. Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, if we were to write a book and my first thought when you said that was, you can go to the bookstore, and there are shelves of self-help books just like that. So you're telling me that nobody's going to pay attention to ours? Nobody's going to pay attention to you, especially with your name on it. But ah, it's <laughs> horrible. It's a bad dude. They are helpful to a certain extent. Yeah. But we're still an anxious society, despite exactly. the fact that we have all that. So there's yeah. got to be something more. Right. I, I agree with that. And you know that something more is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And it is the yeah. certainty that he offers um, and so, all right. So that's that's your favorite text in this. This is mine. First Peter. Well, actually, let me give you let me give you the kind of context of when this became real to my heart, um, where I had somebody really question me um, and my motivation. Which I, I always tell people, like, if you judge my actions, I don't really care. Like, people get that wrong all the time. It's no big deal, whatever. Uh, but if you judge my motivation, that's when it stings. Mm. Like, if you think, like, well, Matt did this because. And, yeah, no, and this is they're, yeah. they're judging your heart, right? Right, exactly. That's when that's when it kills me. So somebody judged my heart, um, specifically in the context of parenting, and I'm going like, oh, this, this like it, it hurt. It was somebody I trusted and looked up to. Um, and so First Peter five seven in that context is uh, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Hmm. And so like me feeling like I'm a failure from someone that I looked up to and. And uh, modeled my life after, and they're they're looking down critically on me, um, and I'm just going, God, it hurts. And a couple of things about that text that I love: cast is it's present tense, which means keep casting. So he's not going to get tired. Mm -hmm. He's not like, okay, I had enough of your garbage. You're done. Um, I don't want it anymore. No, it says cast, keep casting all your anxiety on on him because he cares for you. Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, and I'd love to get your insight on this because I'm sure this has motivated certain people you've counseled to go into addictive behaviors, but a workplace anxiety where, you know, from the stress of a, a job, if it's a trauma situation or if it's, uh, you know, uh, just high stress for whatever they got a boss that's really demanding that has driven them to anxiety, driven them to addiction. What do you say to that person in that scenario? And life is full of stress. 
wherever it comes from. Maybe it's family stress. Maybe it's job stress. Sure. Yeah, because stay-at-home mom too. Yeah, yeah you or, can't or, you can't avoid yeah. stress. No matter what you got going on, there's going to be stress. And and if you're trying to manage it on your own, yeah, you're just going to keep building the stress. And yeah. so that idea of casting our anxiety, throwing it down, laying it at his feet, and coming to him for our source of strength, our source of support, our source of uh, foundational peace in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. We can't live without it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things like I think about, because I've talked to another people in on the spiritual, like pastoral counseling side who had a military background or had an EMT background or, you know, whatever, uh, some situation where um, they had to deal with high stress on a regular basis. And what I find was in common was that these people from these situations that have come to me have all basically been told that when you're on the clock, you're a machine. Mm. So you, you're going through the motions, but you're not feeling stuff. And so their way of dealing with the anxiety side of this is to just be maybe cold or indifferent towards it. Yeah. And that might work. That might allow them to get through the moment, but then they go home mm-hmm. and they're off the clock. And if you get stuck in like this machine mode, then you become this really just cold person in general, which I don't think anybody really um, wants or should want. We, we could say it that way. Um, or, or you just end up breaking down and finding other coping mechanisms for these things and they're not healthy. Yeah. And, and so much, so many people in our society experience burnout from stress from, yeah. from work, from lives. And you mentioned a couple of, you know, there are, careers and jobs where you just have to be on the go all the time. I talked to somebody today who's college athletics burn them out. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of pressure on that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that idea of burnout, um, it affects so many of us. And so, you know, to have resources where you can process the things that you're going on in you, whether it be a pastor, whether it be friendships, whether it yeah. be a counselor, whether it be loved ones within your family, pe- safe people that you can talk to, you can process what you're feeling with, rather than just letting it build up and build up and build up inside of you to the point where you, you know, you're burnt out, or you want to run to right. some sort of substance to make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that because what I what I try and encourage people is um, you don't want coldness, but you do want, you want clarity. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to see this from a healthy perspective that you're not a machine. Yeah. That God mm-hmm. did not make us to be machines. Exactly. And it's when we get to that burnout place, that's where we kind of turn off emotionally. We become cold towards everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so remaining healthy is so important, not only to remain functional in your career, yes. but functional in your life. Y- yeah. And, um, yeah, this was something that was big for me to figure out. And fortunately, I had a really good uh, model for this. Um, uh, Pastor Steve Cornell in the Bible Church, where I, w- I was trained. And uh, and he would talk to us about, hey, people are going to have their baggage. And you're going to have to to love them and to guide them, to pastor them through it. You're going to have to care about it. It's going to have to get past the skin level. Uh, and it's going to have to affect your heart if you're going to love them through it. But, but, he would say, like, you've got to be able to go home and just still be you. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I've got to be able to, and, and you know, I've got to be able to hear a family say, we're done with each other. You know, we, our kids are never going to see each other, uh, or see us together again. And then I've got to be able to go home to my own kids and love them like nothing ever happened. Yeah. And if I just try to be cold, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. So that's where first Peter five, seven has been so near to me that in my mind, what I do when I had that really rough day, 
So if you want a tool, this is a tool for you. Uh, when I've had that really rough day, I, I envision that my drive home is a, is a time of prayer. And I literally, in my mind, I'm taking off muddy boots before I walk in the house. Like if you're if you're outside doing yard work and your your boots are really muddy, you don't wear them in the house. You take them off the door. That's what I do with kind of the just the dirt and the grime of of the stress of dealing with other anxieties and coming through. I'm just going, God, if you want it, it's yours. I'm gonna take these boots off. You clean them up. You clean them up. I'll take them. I'll, I'll put them back on tomorrow when I go to work. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna go through this door and I'm gonna love those kids like nothing ever happened yeah. because you're strong enough to do that. Yeah. And, and when you're casting those anxieties to the yeah. Lord. That's an act of worship. Oh, that's a great perspective. It really is. Yeah. And and I think worship is so important. You know, to talk about, you know, praying in the car ride home, that's an act of worship. Yeah. You know, turning on Christian radio and, and singing along to songs mm. and, and worshiping God, it, it 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 rejuvenates our soul. Yeah. And uh it puts our puts things into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually make me think of Job when Job loses everything he's got. You talk about a situation that is just filled with anxiety. I mean, he's got every reason in the world to be anxious at that point. Um, and, and he ends up praising God. Mm -hmm. You know, God gives and God takes away. Yeah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You have that worship element to it. All right. So we got we got those two texts. Just one more I want to walk you through. Matthew 28, 20. You had brought this up. Let me read it, and, uh, and, and you can share some thoughts on that. Matthew 28, 20. The Great Commission has that the front half of this, where you're going to go and make disciples, um, and then and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why that one? Man, it, it, when we're anxious, when we're struggling with the, the stress in our lives, we feel so alone. And right here, Jesus is saying, I am with you always. You are never alone. There's never an anxious moment when you're the only one there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what a powerful thing to realize because I think um, what anxiety does, it shrinks our perspective and all we can see is it and us. Mm -hmm. um, and and for God to to be there with us in that mm -hmm. moment is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a, a counseling practice, a Christian counseling practice uh, that you called inner healing. And the idea is when you think about some of those difficult times in your life that have maybe been traumatic or difficult for you that have kind of stayed with you, realizing that Jesus was there with you. Yeah. That Jesus was right there with you when you experienced it. You weren't alone. And that even though he allowed it to happen for whatever reason, we don't yeah. know those reasons, but he's never left us alone. Yeah, that's that's a great perspective, and just hearing you talk makes me recall a period for about six years of my life when it was a traumatic experience under just a toxic boss with a toxic relationship there, and, and just a lot of dishonesty that that stung me, and and I didn't realize how much it changed me until I got into a healthy situation. But man, I, there was never a second where I. I didn't feel God being near to me in that moment. I didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. 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 And, and I remember praying countless times with God, like, hey, whenever you're ready, like, I'm ready to move on. Let's let's go. Um, but yeah, I never doubted his presence there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this scripture that, that I'm with you always to the very end of the age, and he doesn't have to say always, but he does. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he gives that uh, that time limit there to just you know, forever. Um, it reminds me of the other passages in the scripture that so often about speak about being in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, that concept where we are, what we, our relationship with Christ is secure to the degree that whatever is true of Christ in the future is true of us. We're right there with him. Uh, I compare it to like if, if Jesus were an airplane, we'd be on the we'd be on the plane. Yeah. And so um, the reality is, what is in Christ is untouchable. Mm. And so anxiety and whatever comes against us in life, it might shake you know our physical well being or our relationships or our financial future, but it does not it does not affect the plane at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're in Christ, and that's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, I love this conversation, and I'm sure we could talk for a lot longer, but we should probably wrap it up. So I just want to give uh, some some stuff to talk about. Remember, stuff you need to think about, but it's also stuff you need to talk about, especially with this subject. Um, and, and I'll hit you with one more question before we, we give you the, the discussion questions. Eric, why do people need to discuss this topic? Oh, man, for a couple of reasons. One, we need to be talking about this because it's so untalked about. People hold their anxiety, hold their worries, they hold their their stuff inside. And it's so important for us in order to build relationships and community to start being vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And so talking about this topic is highly important um, to not only get it out there as a matter of discussion, but also to increase our vulnerability and our engagement with it. But then the other thing is to discover that other people struggle with it too, yeah. that, that we're not alone. Right. Yeah, and, and let me say this, as head pastor, and I don't like to pull that card a whole lot, but as head pastor, if you're coming to Susquehanna Valley Church, or if you're thinking about coming here, and you, you need to be medicated because of uh, some some issue that you know, you're, you're dealing with, man, you're no less of a person than anybody else in this place. And uh, we're thankful that you're here, we're thankful that you're thinking about coming. Uh, we just want to be able to be part of what God's doing in your life and, and allow you to be part of what God's doing in our church. Absolutely. Cool. All right, so here's some stuff you need to talk about. Um, we would love for you to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11. Um, and, and I want you to read through that and, and think about this concept where so often you'll hear people say, like, everything happens for a reason, right? I'm sure, Eric, you you hear that quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, everything happens for a reason, but nobody ever stops to define the reason. Yeah. And I want you to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11, and just try to figure out, you know, try to define the reasons as God defines them. Like, why does God say things happen to us? So we can bring some context to us, because, you know, I didn't break my back so I could appreciate butterflies more. There's there's deeper reasons to what God is, is doing, and, and I, I mean, it wouldn't have worked because I'm not a big butterfly appreciation guy. You don't like butterflies? No, not, I mean, they're, they're, they're nice to look at, but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, second question for stuff you need to talk about is what does it practically look like to rely on God in an anxious situation? And, and so just come up with some thoughts on that, because that's one of those things where you say, oh, you got to rely on God. Well, what what in the world does that mean? You know, figure it out. That's your, that's your group's job. Figure it out um, and, and come up with a plan. And then those three scriptures we talked about, Proverbs 3, 1 Peter 5, Matthew 8. Or twenty-eight. Which one speaks close, closest to your heart, and that, um, and uh, why? Why is that? Why does that you know meet you where you're at in your specific context? And uh, this is a challenge. I'd love for you to memorize it, because for me, like I'm not kidding you. I probably recited to my myself um, on a on a car ride home the First Peter five seven. I would guess thousands of times where I'm just telling my heart what it needs to know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, love you guys checking in with us. So appreciate you. If you're just listening, love to have you come out to a service sometime. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.